This time, two weeks ago, I was finalising the podcast promo that encourages you to start listening to these shows. The promo talked about how you should listen on the train, or in your car, on the way to your work. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Welcome to Nick Lansley's Innovation Lab. Hello, I'm Nick Lansley. Welcome to the lab. So now here we all are, working from home. The office seems to have become a distant memory from two weeks ago. The transition for you may have been sudden and sharp. And now we're trying to work out how best to work from home. And it may or may not be working. The good news is that with some professional advice, we can do this. So, with that in mind, joining me on the line from London is Dr Richard McKinnon. Richard is a chartered psychologist, chartered scientist, registered Eurosci psychologist and a registered coaching psychologist. Richard is also the founder and managing director of Work Life Psych, a team of accredited and experienced workplace psychologists who are passionate about the practical application of psychology in the workplace. Richard, welcome. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, welcome, mate. It was great to have you on board, particularly uh, with that background. Strange times we live in. Very strange. And everything that I do now needs to be looked at through the lens of what's going on in you know, the context around us. Absolutely. The workplace being the home place these days. Very much so. And uh, many people are finding themselves working from home very suddenly and without prior experience of doing that, and also without an agreed end date to that. So this is going to go on for some time. Yes, um, it is. It is definitely a very steep learning curve. So uh, my first question to you are, uh, what are the key important rules you should follow when you start your day working from home? So I really like people to think about principles rather than rules. And principles are, in general, I'd like to. Um, and it's really about setting up a, um, a start to your day that you can replicate, a regular routine um, and rituals, simple actions that signal to you and to other people that around you that the working day is beginning. You may well have these when you're in the workplace and at home, it's useful to have them as well. They can be as simple as after I finish my cup of tea, I'll start working or I'll go for a, a walk around the block if that's still possible. But it's something, a simple habit that signals to you and those around you, work is starting now. And that, that's a really important start that needs to be mirrored by a finish at the opposite end of the working day. Because one of the things we know that when we work from home is that we can almost inevitably end up working longer hours than we intend because there's no one there to tell us to stop working sometimes. Sure. And in fact, it's interesting you talk about the others in your home. Um, I suppose I should ask, what distractions are you prepared for and what rules should others in your home be told to observe? This is a real challenge for people because they may have worked from home for the odd afternoon or day prior to now. And maybe that was because of a childcare uh, challenge or they had a plumber coming around, something like that. Or maybe occasionally a day at home to really focus on a, a challenging project and get some peace and quiet. Now they've probably got other members of their family also trying to work from home. They've got uh, maybe flatmates or housemates and everyone's trying to be focused 
all the time aware that all this stuff is going on around us in the world. This isn't an industry, a city, or a country. It's global. So um, the distractions can be external, like having the news on and you know constant news coming off the TV or the radio. It could be ambient no noise coming from other people. It could be noise outside, you know, all those external uh, distractions. But it could be things that we've got a bit more control over, like turning that TV off, turning off notifications on our devices, maybe not wanting to see every breaking news alert because they're not always that helpful. But of course, we've also got those internal distractions, our worries, anxieties, memories, a bit of mental time travel, we can go on to the future and the past. And all of that can take us away from the here and now. So my, my guidance on this is to try and minimize the external distractions that you have some control over. Have conversations with the people that you live with to talk about some general principles you can agree on around working time, keeping the noise down, but also be flexible around that and understanding that things are likely to change. And when it comes to the internal distractions, practicing just noticing where your attention is going. Is it the here and now, or has it gone to another place? And then just gently bring your focus back to here to now. That's really the only place you can be. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, is there any set of rules you should give to those who are in the same home as you about um, restricting how they interact with you during your working time? I think it's, it's useful to talk up front about how you're going to use your space. It's something that particularly in big cities, people are short of space. And if you've been used to working in a very large open plan environment and you're suddenly working in a, in a space that's more akin to the kitchen or the living room, it's useful to say, look, I make a lot of phone calls in my job. Can we try and keep the noise down to a minimum? Or these are the working hours I'd like to, to keep to. Or, um, hey, let's have lunch all at the same time. Or let's take our coffee break at the same time, or let's go for a walk at the same time. So it can be useful to have people around us because it battles that isolation. But at yeah. the same time, well, we've all got different styles and approaches. So I would suggest getting those expectations out on the table, talking about them openly, and then trying to work flexibly with those um, principles as much as possible. The key word here is patience. Patience. Absolutely. Uh, now, when we are at work, uh, with our colleagues, we present ourselves um, verbally, the way that we dress, the way that we look, which is a, a professional look. Now we're at home with easy access to pyjamas, <laughs> mm -hmm. but more importantly, access to video cameras because it's great to have one-to-one -one interactions with your colleagues by staring into their eyes. How should you present yourself on the screen? What should the environment look like? But, uh, and this is particularly if you're a manager where you mm -hmm. need to influence others to, to do their role? This is really contextual because if this was a manager working from home for a period of time and everyone else was in the office, it would really be guidance around uh, being as professional as possible and not really referring to your environment and just cracking on with the call. But of course, everyone's in the same boat here. So I would say to managers and supervisors, you know, demonstrate uh, some empathy uh, ask people how they're doing on those calls and maybe even bond over the fact that you're both working in less than ideal physical situations. Understand that. Uh, don't ignore it. And, um, you know, the, the level of formality or informality will depend on your existing relationship. Um, so there's going to be a professional edge to this, but we're all in the same boat. 
especially remember that not everyone maybe is as comfortable as you with working in another environment or is as resilient as you are and maybe yeah. uh, caught up with a lot of worries. So first of all, before you think about what am I going to wear, just ask them how they are. Right. Okay. I think that's very important, actually. It's, it's bringing people mm. with you, isn't it? Bringing your colleagues with you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would always say don't work in your pajamas. It's <laughs> specifically <laughs> because limits. this is going to be going on for a while. Uh, it's just a good visual cue to yourself that you're in work mode. And, and it's a great way of, of doing the start the day end the day is like at the end of the day, you can then take those clothes off and wear something else. It's a nice mm. way of putting some boundaries to what otherwise for most knowledge workers uh, would be a day that could go on and on and on because there's never an end to the work. Well, that brings me on to um, a question based on something that you alluded to just a few minutes ago. And this is um, how would, would how should people separate being at work from at home in your mind? What should you do to declare, your, to declare yourself at home at the end of the working day? So it really depends on your individual circumstances. An ideal situation here would be that you have a, a separate room that you can turn into your working space. Now, I'm really aware that not everybody has that. So it's it's about time-based compartmentalization. So between eight and four or nine and five, you know, this living room is going to be my office or our office. But you know what, before that and after that, we're going to put the work-related stuff away. So we don't have those visual cues around us. Even if the laptop is folded, I can still see it. It's reminding me of work. Yeah. So it can be useful to to pack that stuff away Again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, having some simple rituals at the start and the end of the day, a cup of tea, changing your clothes, maybe getting some exercise at the, the start or the end of, of the day. And, and it can be useful, particularly if you're very absorbed in your work or you've got a lot to do, to set yourself a reminder to end the working day particularly if you're alone. When you're in an office, there's a lot of reminders that the end of the working day is approaching <laughs> as people leave and yeah. chat to you and you see it. If you're in a room by yourself, you may need an alarm going off to say, hey, you know what, it's 5.30. Maybe in the next five minutes, you could wind down and, and pack this stuff away. Right. Uh, there's no one size fits all with this, but in general, I would say to people, try and replicate your working hours. Definitely don't go significantly over them and do what you can with your physical environment to make it healthy and uh, safe for work. And one that you can also not turn into a permanent office. Okay. So it's a uh, temporary in its nature. Right. Okay. That's very good advice. Um, and finally, Richard, um, I've had a couple of friends who've already spoken five days into working from home about cabin fever. Is there any advice that you can give people who are stuck within their four walls and are suffering from cabin fever? It, this is a really interesting one because it can mean different things to different people. In general, there's a, there's a level of frustration or discomfort at not being able to leave a physical space. Um, and actually, one of the things that we can do that makes that worse for ourselves is imagining all the things we would have done <laughs> if we were not in this space. And, and so we can kind of wind ourselves up a little bit. Um, I think there's, there's two important things to reflect on. One is getting some time alone. And here it's useful to talk to people about, I'm not being rude, I don't hate you, I just like to have an hour by myself reading my book. So space from other people with some conversation. The, the second thing is to think about what you could purposefully do while you are 
in the place you're actually in. So rather than time traveling, think about now, what are those programs I've always wanted to watch? What are the books I've never finished? What are the, the chores around the house that I've been putting off for years now? Um, what, what is it I could do while I'm here? Now, there's nothing to stop you making plans for the future. I know people that have started that already, all the things they're gonna do when they can you know, move freely and travel. But if you're fixated on the fact that you can't do lots of things, that's gonna feel frustrating. And that's really going to add to this sense of cabin fever. So while we don't have a, an end to it, it's about getting used to on a daily basis, working in the here and now with what you have. Fantastic advice. Richard, thanks ever so much for joining us, taking his time out to talk about um, how people can help themselves when they are working from home. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Richard McKinnon. Thanks so much for having me. If you would like to find out more about the work of Richard and his colleagues at Work Life Psych and find out more about the best ways of working from home, then please do visit them at worklifepsych.com. That's W-O-R-K-L-I-F-E-P-S-Y-C-H dot com forward slash working from home. I do hope you found Richard's advice useful. I certainly have. Good luck setting up your work environment at home. And I'll speak to you next time.